Hey everyone, Tony and John bringing you King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. It's uh, it's late August. Um, schedule just came out. I guess that's the uh, the news for the Kings at the moment. So, um, John, what can you uh, what can you tell me about the schedule? Well, I have a you know I went through every game you know and I I figured I I guessed the point totals and everything and uh, no I didn't do any of that. Um, the schedule came out. I don't really know why everybody gets so pumped up about this. Um, I mean, I kind of do. I, I mean, I get it and I don't because obviously it's like people are hungry for basketball. This is the first sign that it's coming back. I mean, obviously it's not like it was a question of whether it was coming back or not. We knew it was coming back, but, um, you know, it's like, you're kind of leading up to that. You're like, Oh, training camp starts, you know, I mean, almost about a month from now. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a big deal, but then also, it sparks up the conversations of who has the easiest schedule or who has the most difficult. And, you know, I feel like that's really worthy talk in like football when you play 17 games and you're being, your, your schedule is different, very different from a team in another division. Um, whereas in basketball, you're kind of, you're playing basically everybody. I mean, like it t- depends on your conference, obviously, and even what division you play in on how many times you play a team. But you know, like every basketball game's hard. I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know why everybody gets so preoccupied. It's like, oh, the Kings have the ninth hardest schedule. You know, it's like, eh, eh, I don't know. Do they? Because there's a couple of stats in there that maybe back that up, but there's also a couple of stats in there that don't back that up. You know, they travel a lot, but they also have a lot of rest days. So it's like, I don't know where they come up with that. And at the end of the day, that comes from preseason over-unders on wins and we talked about that last month as being just a bunch of bogusness. So it's like all this is kind of rooted in hype more than anything, which again is understandable, but you can't read too much into that. Yeah. I mean, like you said, like if it was football, it's a lot different. There's only 17 games. Um, It's like, it's the NBA. You're going to play your division a bunch. You're going to play, you know, the um, Eastern conference twice, one at home, one away. You know, this you know what the schedule is going to be. You just don't know what days, I guess. Um, so, yeah, and like strength of schedule and stuff like that. It's like, you know, the NBA is a league where over half the teams go to the playoffs. Like, and especially for the Kings who, haven't, who aren't a playoff team and haven't been for a long time. It's it's usually going to be a tough schedule. Like, I'm just, I have the schedule in front of me right now. And I was kind of looking at it earlier. And it's like you start off with the Lakers you go to Portland and then Phoenix, or we start out in Portland. Oh no, sorry, that was preseason. Yeah, you start. You start. I mean, someone's against, excited for the season. Yeah, start. you got Portland. You got the Clippers and Golden State, then Memphis, then Miami, then Charlotte, then Miami, Orlando. And it's just like, I mean, those are all tough. And you just keep looking at the schedule, and even like the easy games, like Orlando. I'm like, like how easy is a game against Orlando? Who, you know, just had the number one overall pick uh, in Bancaro and. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's exciting because it is kind of like, I guess, the first taste of the season that we kind of get. And it coming kind of, you know, inching us towards the start of the season and training camp and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. But, hey, at least we got at least we got a ESPN game for the first time since 2018. So and I mean, what game is that? Uh, it's against the Rockets on January 11th, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. I was like, why the hell are they scheduled? At home? least it's at home. At least it's at home. Yeah. Let me say that. If it was in Houston, I'd be like, nobody show up. <laughs> like, whatever. Nobody would show up to that. Um, yeah, I mean, just thinking, though, about that start to the to the schedule. I mean, like, we're talking about Orlando. I mean, like, when you look at it, it's like, okay, so Orlando's kind of that first. They're the first team you play that's not really a playoff contender, safe to say. I mean, Orlando, I don't know. The East is always kind of like... Interesting, I guess. I don't want to overstep and say Orlando doesn't have a chance to make the playoffs, but I don't think that that's their main goal right now. Um, but you never know what a young team's going to be doing at the beginning of the season. They come out firing. They could be playing real hot. They could come out looking terrible, being very, you know, uh, making small mistakes that just make big impacts on, you know, their ability to win. And, I mean, like training camp hasn't even started. Like, you know, we don't, we don't know necessarily if these teams are going to come out running. We don't know if the Kings are going to come out running. Maybe... We don't even know if the opponents know that the Kings are a tough or maybe an easy opponent. I don't know. I mean, there's just a lot 
that's unknown at this point. Um, schedule's just a schedule. You take one game at a time, and uh, it'll be interesting, though. I mean, there's a lot of big games against a lot of big-name teams there early on. There's some big dates throughout the season. Um, and I know that first, like, October, that stretch through October, November, like, has a few of those games. I know you play the Lakers the first time you're playing the, the Warriors. Obviously, they're in their same division. But, you know, you get to make an East Coast trip to Miami and Orlando that we're talking about that includes Charlotte. Um, you get to see Memphis and Atlanta and uh, Boston as well. And you get the return of Halliburton to uh, Sacramento. So there's going to be, a, like, a lot of games that are worth keeping an eye on. It's going to really suck if the Kings aren't good this season <laughs> because <laughs> some of these games are really good. Like those are the games you want to have late in the year where it's like, yeah, you should come watch uh so-and-so. But I guess that's more when good teams come to visit, but I'm just kind of spitballing here, but you know, the schedule is the schedule. Um, it's interesting though. Yeah. I mean, I guess something from the schedule too is that we don't, Kings don't have a lot of long road trips. I mean, the two that really stick out, is in, let me see, it's December, which is definitely going to be the toughest streak. It's You go to Milwaukee, then Cleveland, then New York, Philadelphia, to Philadelphia, Toronto, back-to-back nights, and then Detroit. And that New York, Philly, Toronto, Detroit, that's four games in, what, six nights? Mm-hmm. That's going to that's gonna be a really rough week. But... I mean, other than that, you have a you got a road trip in February, early February, late January. You go against Minnesota twice in three nights. I don't know, like yeah, Minnesota's good. I don't know. I'm very interested in seeing Minnesota this year because they did trade away a lot of players to get Gobert. Like a lot of those, like uh, you know, like blue guys that and role players. So. I don't know. I know Gobert is an all-star, multiple-time all-star, but they, they got rid of some pieces to bring him in. But, I mean, you still got Russell, Gobert, um, Towns, and Anthony Edwards. So, I mean, that's still... Just on the, the, the Timberwolves, like, of course, we don't know how it's going to look, but they were a playoff team last year, and they got um, one of the better centers in the league. So it's like it's hard to say that they got worse. They're, at least at this point. Just if we're talking that it's too early to say this or that about the schedule, then it's too early to say that about them. Okay, good point. Um, but it, I don't know. It's just one of those. They they don't scare me that much yet. I don't look at Minnesota the same way I look at Milwaukee. That's totally fair. Um, then you got the Spurs. Who okay? Like again, it's not like it's like the Spurs. You should always be afraid of the Spurs, especially in uh, in San Antonio. But you know, and then you go to Indiana. Halliburton, yeah, maybe some beef there. Then New Orleans, Houston, and then Houston again. Uh, two, two times in Houston in three nights. So, not the, I mean, yeah, you play Minnesota. Yeah, you play the Spurs. Yeah, you play the Pelicans. But, I mean, it's definitely not as bad as that Milwaukee, Cleveland, Philly, Toronto, Detroit trip. So, it's true. I mean, no, nah, I mean, those are the two longest road trips of the season. And one of them will be tough for sure, but. Um, well, that's why I was like, why do they have a ninth hardest schedule, the Kings? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how they factor. Again, know how they factor that, had, in? that had everything to do with the win loss totals or over under no uh, average. So the thirty two and a half that they gave the Kings, mm. that's what that's the Kings ranking basically. So when people have the Kings on their schedule multiple times, or they play the Kings in a tough situation in terms of rest, it's not as difficult. When it's like, is that one hundred percent fair? Again, we don't know. But, um, yeah, so it's just, like, I think you're making a good point, though. Like, looking at the hard stuff, like, actually taking a look at those East Coast trips, you know, or Midwest trips or whatever it is. I mean, aside from the one in December, you're kind of right. I mean, the one in January, uh, early February, that's right before the All-Star break. That's a time where guys are tired. Like, that's obviously, we just said that every NBA game is hard. So it's not going to be easy, but it's, like, it's not crazy to say that that could be a tougher road trip. That could definitely be tougher in terms of opponents, but you know mm, that's true. I think the Kings, the, like we, we kind of mentioned in passing, I don't have the statistic on me, but it's like they have in terms of rest, they're on kind of the better side of the league, you know. And of course, they're a West Coast team, so they travel a lot. But you know, I don't know. Like I don't think that there's really any reason to get like high or low on the schedule. That's kind of what we're getting at, you know. But uh, you know. Interesting games. And I just think 
Yeah, you got the schedule will be a big deal if the Kings can manage to stay relevant, which they have a chance of doing. Just have to see it play out. You got uh, you got any games to watch? Key games from this schedule? I like that Orlando one to start because I I think that Keegan Murray and and Bancaro, I mean like until Ivy gets you know I mean I don't know I just feel like right now just based on summer league based off a very small sample size like those are the two guys where I'm like okay when scouts were telling Mark Spears that they're the two best players in the draft like I could see it like when they played in the summer league that was fun. You know, and I'm looking forward to that again. It'd be a good, and it's that first kind of East Coast trip for the Kings too. Um, they play Charlotte and Miami. Charlotte's probably a playoff team. Miami's a championship contender. You know, like Orlando might get overlooked. Like that's going to be a good test. So I think that that's kind of a game that you know you got to have your eyes on. Obviously Halliburton, um, but you know I think that given like. We keep talking about how the Kings feel different. I think we got to start looking at some of these early season games, which ones to keep an eye on. It's like maybe like that first one against the Warriors. That's the third game of the against third game of the season. I think like that's a tough game. You know, like you got to prove that you can hang with the champs, or even you know you could say that about any of their early opponents. But that Orlando one is probably the one that because it still fits like one of the first few games. Um, you don't have to wait for it, um, but that should be an interesting one. Uh, Anyone in particular that you have an eye on? Um, I mean, of course, opening night, right? Portland. But, I mean, you can say that about any opening night. Um, yeah, that first Golden State game, um, it's in Golden State, too. So, Mike Brown's going to take a trip back to the Chase Center. Where... I got to make a correction here. Even yeah. every Kings home game is in the Golden State, too. Every Lakers home game is in the Golden State. It's in San Francisco, you idiot. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks for the observation. Um, the Golden State game. Um, yeah. <laughs> the reigning champions, Mike Brown's returning. Um, the first Lakers game, November 11th. Um, that Indiana win against Indiana, November 30th. Halliburton's returning to the Golden 1 Center for the first time. That's going to be very interesting and We'll probably get a little more into Halliburton later uh, in this podcast. Um, and then I, another one that I forgot about, just yeah, because I think it's kind of in that part of the schedule. Mm-hmm. But when the Kings play Detroit, you're talking about first round draft yeah. picks. Play. I mean, like that is that's going to be like every game that Jaden Ivey and Keegan Murray play against each other. It's yeah, for a long time, for several years, you know, and we might not ever have an answer to who's better. They could both be making the case or vice versa. Um, but that'll be interesting because that's going to be the first installment of something. Similar to what I still think that the Bancaro thing, like those could be two guys that are battling throughout their career. They should be really good. Mm-hmm. No, they will be. Um, and that's why I also going to have that the January 11th against Houston. Not only is it an ESPN game, but it's, I mean, ESPN game first, ESPN or TNT game since 2018. Which is awesome. I mean, man, it's gonna that's gonna be fun. Maybe Mark Jones will even um, commentate it. I don't know if I'll like that, but it'd be cool to have a familiar voice on the broadcast. Mm-hmm. But um, you got the third and fourth pick going up against it. I mean, I like, thinking back now, and of course it's so early to tell, but I mean, it was nice to watch Keegan Murray win Summer League MVP. Um, if we draft Jabari Smith Jr. and then we watch Keegan Murray win Summer League MVP, are you? You kind of upset about it, or so you're saying if if Smith fell to the Kings, yeah, and the King, so like Ivy got picked pick third, and the Kings had to choose between Murray and Jabari Smith. Uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll say that. Like, so the question is, is like, like just how I would feel, or how a fan would feel, yeah. Maybe. Uh-huh. Um, you can't. You'd probably you'd start to get an inkling of an idea that that probably wasn't the right choice. Um, and I, I have to be the first one to admit that it's like, and you know, I think everybody should come out and admit this. That it's like, when it comes to being like, oh, this guy's going to be good or this guy's going to be good or this guy's going to be better than that guy. Like a lot of us, um, <laughs> we're saying that like Jabari Smith is like, that's the guy. That's the guy. <laughs> like if the Kings get their perfect world, I think I wrote in an article, this might be an exact quote, that in the perfect world, the Kings get Jabari Smith. Maybe that's true. But, um, you know, I just, 
don't think that that's the case. I don't, I just don't think that, you know, and this, again, I'm not trying to say that anybody's expected to be like a draft guru, but it's like, man, people were really selling Jabari Smith. And uh, it just kind of makes sense why that would happen. But you see the summer league um, and then you also get kind of that extra time to really learn about Keegan Murray. Not to say that there's anything about Jabari Smith that there's like, he doesn't have any issues in his background or work ethic or anything like that, but it's just Keegan Murray in regards to those things. He's just so good. And it's like, I we, we say it all the time about Davion Mitchell. It's like, those are the things you can't teach somebody. Those are the things you can't take away from somebody. You're always going to have a chance when you have that. And, um, I don't know. He's just a pro. And I think that's what a lot of people mean by saying that Bancaro and Murray might be the best players in the draft is that it's like, okay, like maybe Ivy ends up being the best player out of everybody. Like maybe, like maybe he's like a 29 points a game monster or something like that. But it's just like right now, like guys who are undeniably NBA players who can make a difference on the floor, like Bancaro and Murray. I mean, everybody's been saying it. Those are the guys to do that, you know? Uh, for Smith, so many things rely on his jump shot. And it's like, you know, the Kings will benefit if Murray's, you know, hitting his three. And he's, I've already, you know, changed my fickle mind to saying that Murray's the best three-point shooter in the draft now. And I wouldn't even thought of saying that two months ago. But you get to know about the guy. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, dang, he's actually good. And you don't need to rely on, I mean, of course, if he's shooting the three, all the better you want him to be doing that. But it's like Murray can affect the game in other ways. Um, Jabari Smith with that shooting thing and maybe his body developing a little bit more, he's not like necessarily a project, but as a, you know, top five pick, like he needs a little bit of, you know, a few years to start making a major impact. Um, whereas with the other two guys, Bancaro and Murray, you know, they're doing it right away with ceilings that are still high. So, you know, I wouldn't have said that about, Murray several months ago, um, you would have had <laughs> you would have had me going, no, give me I'm on Jabari Smith, you know, Jabari Smith's the guy. It'd have been this <laughs> high pitch and everything like that. But you know, I'll tell you right now that like actually seeing the thing, I mean like Murray's Murray was, seems like it was a good pick. Yeah. I, that's kind of a long-winded answer. No, I I mean <laughs> I get it. It's he just impressed so much during summer league. And yeah, I mean of course, I mean, Smith was supposed to go number one overall. It was a shock that he dropped down to number three. Um, but, I mean, Keegan Murray looks, I mean, it, yeah, it's it was summer league, that was it. But he just he just looks so mature already. Um, like, almost kind of like what we were saying about Trey, Trey Lyles at the end of last season, where he just looked like he knew what he was doing out there. Made you know maybe not the right decision every time in summer league, but he just looked like a cool collected pro. knew what he was doing, knew his role. Um, and I'm not comparing Murray to Trey Lyles' game because it's that know, feel for the game. Yeah, yeah, it's the feel for the game where you kind of just trust the guy, and if he's gonna shoot it, you're like, all right, like that's a shot he you know he thinks he can make. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to. I don't know. It's a hard question to ask because we literally have no legit regular season experience for either of them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Murray just impressed so much during the summer league. It's it's just I guess it's just really exciting right now. And I don't know. It's uh, yeah. I feel like the thing I would say about them is just like Smith could like I wouldn't be surprised if Smith comes out like and has ends up having a better career from deep. He just ends up being like one of the better like stretch guys. But it's like impact on the game overall. Like Murray's the guy. I mean, that's why, again, that's why he's probably the second best player in that draft. That gives credence to what, uh, you know, uh, Mark Spears was hearing, who's just become the biggest, like, (laughs) the biggest Kings fan. So high on the Kings. Where does he live in Northern California? Does he live in SAC? I don't know. I thought I thought someone said like he lives in SAC. I know he lives in Northern California. He said that on ESPN at, like last month when he said he predicts they're going to make the playoffs. And Kendrick Perkins' <laughs> face just was like, "What? <laughs> Big Perk? Big Perk, man! I tell you what. Um, no, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, Murray. It's just uh, it says he lives in Oakland. Okay, that yeah yeah that makes sense then. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. 
Um, is he he's from here? Or um, I don't know. Let <laughs> good. Let me go to his Wikipedia. Do you know who's from Sac? Though it's totally random. Lavar Burton is from Sac. He's like from Star Trek. I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> they like reading Rainbow and stuff. You said would you say Lavar? Yeah. I say when you said Lavar, I was like Lavar who? Lavar <laughs> Ball. I was like I would have feel like I would have heard that. Um. I don't know. I just found out the other day there's like a, when I say the other day, I mean today, which is technically yesterday. So, so it is the other day by the time you're listening to this. Yes. So yesterday. Um, this is a Sacramento walk of fame. Wow. Yeah. Imagine though if LeVar Ball was from Sacramento. They have like a ball in the family memorial. <laughs> well, <laughs> season one. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyways. Um, <laughs> on the question of draft picks is what we were talking. Oh, about. Just, we were talking on Jabari Smith, and <laughs> I'm over that. I think, yeah, I think we, we I'm, moved on to that. I'm looking at the February, yeah, the month of February and schedule. There's only three home games that month. That's a lot of gray. It's a lot of gray, but you do have the All Star break. You have eight days off, so I mean that takes up a, a large chunk. But I think there's two, four, six, eight, ten. There's twelve games and. None of them are on the road that month. So that would be an interesting... I mean, we already kind of covered... like Kind of closing up that one trip. Yeah. Who else is uh, on the road for after the All-Star break? So on the road after that, you got Phoenix, the Clippers, and then OKC twice in three days. A lot of of back-to-back... Maybe not like back-to-back games. Maybe not necessarily back-to-back days. But back-to-back games against the same teams this year. Right. What were you saying those? They're calling it the what? The, the baseball series? Yeah, I don't know if they're referring to the base. I think they're referring to just any game where you're playing the same team twice in a row. Twice as a row, baseball yeah. series. So they're like, but the ones you're talking about distinctly are the baseball series with a day off in between. Yes. And I do think that the I think that was one of the things for the Kings rest is they have, I don't know, maybe make, pulling this one out of my butt, but I think they have like, for all the back-to-backs against the same team, they have some of the... I think all of them, they have a day in between. No, I'm sorry. I'm looking right now. So they play Denver back-to-back, but back-to-back days as well, but at home. So mm-hmm. that's nice for them. They play Houston back-to-back with the day in between. They play Minnesota back-to-back with the day in between. Houston back-to-back with the day in between. In Portland. Then they go. They play Houston twice, like uh-huh. I just said, at away. But then they come home and play Dallas in back-to-back days. Um, and then they end the month of February in OKC twice in three days. And then I believe. Oh no! Then they end March. The same way, but against Portland. So it's like five or six series this year where you're playing, you're playing the same team twice and back to back games. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I I wish I had the the comparison to the rest of the teams in front of me, but it's like I feel like with that um a day off in the same town, like. That really like changed the narrative on that road trip. Like for like this one, it's like you're gonna you're gonna play a couple of games on the road, but you're gonna be in OKC for three days. Like is that really traveling? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it's kind of weird. Kind of get acclimated to things. I mean, it's a shame they because they have the you were talking about the one where Denver's in town. It's a shame they don't do that in Denver. I feel like that would really benefit away teams in Denver adjusting to the altitude. Yeah, very true. They huh? just get their butts kicked in that first one. <laughs> We're acclimated. Can I say something that I do like about this schedule? No. Is that... Yeah, yeah you can. <laughs> is that they do not have a Sunday game in March. Yeah. I just I just hate Sunday games. I don't know if, I don't know if you hate... I just... I don't like it when it's during the day. I hate I don't day like, games. I just don't like day games. I hate day games. I've but never I'm, liked day games. I'm actually looking at this... Like, yeah, this... I mean, most games are at a day game o'clock. on the East Coast, and it's on at like like ten thirty. <laughs> it's like what? I'm like drinking coffee and watching basketball. This is stupid. Well, you know what's funny? They play one away game on a Sunday on the legit East East Coast against New York, and it's actually still a three p.m. game. So I don't think the Kings. I think the earliest Kings game is at twelve thirty, and that is that's the last game of the season. That's anyway. just one time. 
Uh, yeah. I think other than that, there's three o'clock games. Even three o'clock games on a Sunday That's sometime. Still early for me. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it is just a little early. It's just like, ugh. like I like you know, it's always nice like coming home after work and like, or even on a Saturday night. It's like all right, like time to. You know, it's what I'm doing tonight. But a Sunday game, it's like, it's all right. It's 3 o'clock. It really puts dents in your plans on Sunday. Yeah, so, I don't know. They also don't play a Thursday game in December. They don't. But I don't know or the, January. Signif- the significance I'm of that is. I'm just saying, let me count. I have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. F- they have 13 Thursdays off in a row. That's incredible. Illuminati. I wonder what they're doing on Thursday night. 13? That's Between a... the late November, which I think that's Thanksgiving probably, the 24th there. Pro- I mean, So probably. from Thanksgiving until, yeah, February 16th. Jeez. And then. I know at nights we're doing our podcast. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty sick. No, that's, um, I thought that was so weird. And then the Sunday's off in March. We, yeah. went to, we went to Catholic school, so we're like, maybe that's because of Lent. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. And even that, they only play... <laughs> I'm really obsessed with these Thursday games now. <laughs> they play one, two, three, four... <laughs> they only play a total of five Thursday games. Least in the league. That really shows why, you know... I don't know. Does that help them or hurt them? It'd be interesting to look at this splits on Thursday nights over the last couple of years, see if this team is better. I, I don't like Thursday games anyway. I'd rather have a Friday night game. Mm-hmm. I like Friday night games, you know. It's like, all right, start the weekend off, crack open some beers. Right, okay, you can let loose a little bit more. Yeah. Thursday's still got to do something the next day. Yeah, a lot of a lot of home games on Fridays, too. I'm just, like, looking at this for my own. So, yeah, I'll go to this game right here. It's a Friday at home, you know. Just call, you call your fiancé, like, hey, what are you doing this night? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to a game. Yeah. Oh, it's your mom's birthday? Do you want to go? <laughs> Let me see. Well, they actually might have one on the birthday. <laughs> actually looking. Yeah. Writing it down. OKC okay, on the 20th. That could be that could be romantic. Anything on Valentine's Day there, Romeo? Ooh. Yes, but it's away. So going to Phoenix. Gonna finish for Valentine's Day. That could be anyway, a, that could be romantic. That's do you have anything? The, the you have anything else on the schedule? Not really. I mean, you know, it'd be interesting. I think that the, you're gonna. I mean, people want to point out that the King's schedule is tough to start. Okay, I'll say I'm not surprised by that. But also, silver lining from that, you're gonna get if you you're gonna get a good feel for this team early on. Hmm. And people are dying to know what this team is going to look like, what they're going to, how they're going to operate, and that's going to be answered pretty quick, you know. Um, man, Portland, Clippers, Golden State, Memphis, Miami—that's fun. So we'll, we'll we'll get an idea. And then we get our old friend Steve Clifford, Steve Cliff, bit of his home court. Yeah, Hornets coach once again. So funny. Just kind of fell on his lap. It's like, sure. He just called Kenny Atkinson up. He's like, dude, I'm what are you really banking on that one? I mean, the Hornets, the Hornets didn't, they didn't interview Mark Jackson, did they? No. It would have been interesting if they would have hired him. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of surprised they didn't go with D'Antoni because I thought D'Antoni was the guy that went into the final, like basically was yeah. the final decision was between D'Antoni and uh, Atkinson. But maybe they'd made the decision to go with defense. And we're just like, well, Clifford's next on the defensive list. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. But it'd be interesting. I also think that, you know, the Hornets are like, well, whatever. We'll just fire him if we don't make a playoff. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? We'll get Atkinson next year. Yeah, I mean, obviously it wasn't their first choice. No. Not even their second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. He's like back. Like, how often do you see a coach get fired from a team and then Coach him again. I feel like there's an obvious example that I'm not thinking of right now. I don't know. I mean, it's probably happened, but mm-hmm. it's not. And that obvious example is probably another sport, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, probably. Probably in baseball. I know. I'm really trying to think. There, there has to be more. There has to be more than one Steve Clifford in the world. <laughs> more than one? No. There's no one. one there's no one quite like you, Steve. Okay, I'm sick of the schedule. There's something I really want to talk about. 
Oh yeah. All right. So it's this it's this Tyrese Halliburton story that I thought we were over with, but it, he he had this interview with some guy Alex Kennedy. I want to say the name is on basketballnews.com. And it just sounds like he's not over the trade yet. And I get it. You know what? Like, what? I, I don't know. I, how do you feel about it before I go into my emotions about well, it? Well, I think you're right to be like, wow, you should, we're kind of still at this. And I get it. Um, I think that game in Indiana at the end of February or um, November will be a big release. And so I, you might start to see that get let go of a little bit. But I think you're right to be like, well, you're still on this again. Because after it happened, they did that GQ piece. <laughs> and he was like, it was real savvy. Like, that's the only word I would use to describe it. It's kind of like one of those things. It's like, I get it. Like, I get it. Like, you wanted to succeed here. You wanted to turn things around for this franchise. You really felt like you could be that guy. You really feel like, like you honestly could be that guy. Like, is he going to be a 20 and 10 point guard? Yeah. Like, sooner than later. Absolutely. But it's like, dude. Like, you knew what business you were getting into. It's like, they're not beholden to you, you know? It's like, I don't know. It's it's not a storybook ending all the time. And, like, I, I get it. Like, the GQ article, it's like, okay, well, this is early on. But this is what I'm saying. You're right to bring it up where it's like, I feel like there's been, between that GQ article and the one we just talked about, there's been, like, two or three other ones in between. And I don't know if it's just these sports writers wanting to, get, you know, they get the access to the player and they go for the obvious question, the one that's going to get clicks um, from multiple fan bases. Um, I think, you know, Halliburton's, you know, despite playing in Sacramento and Indiana for just a half a season, um, he's still pretty, like, well-regarded. Amongst people who know him around the country, like, he's well-liked for a good reason. He's a good player. He's a good guy. But it's just, like, it's just, like, hyping up this whole thing. And I don't want to, like, say that it has to do because it's the Kings on the other end. But it's, like, I don't know. It just feels like it's partially a little overdone, the sappiness. And then on the other side with like the sports writer aspect to it, it's just like they're just going to keep getting redundant with these stories if people keep giving it clicks. Um, And like I said, like when they play, they'll figure it out. Things maybe will kind of burn off a little bit, but I don't know. It is kind of annoying. It's annoying. You don't have to be a Kings fan to find that annoying. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, I, I... I get where he's coming from. There's probably Kings fans that think the same thing. Yeah, no, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you, yeah, you get where he's coming from. And you know, he probably really did want to lead the team here. He seemed like he was down to stay in Sacramento. And, you know, that's like a great quality, um, you know, to see in a Kings player as a Kings fan. Because, you know, you Kings fans know the reputation of Sacramento. And, Halliburton looked like a le- like a legitimate guy who could be an all star in this league and a, a really good player in the league for years to come, um, and so, man, I don't know where I was going with this. Not thinking, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, it's like yeah, like you said, you know what business you're getting into. Um, I don't know, just like all this resentment he's holding towards the king still, and he says he doesn't want to feel this way, but he does, and. I, I don't know, it's just Let like, me put it in perspective. Please. DeMarcus Cousins has every reason to hate the Kings organization. They have every... He has every reason to hate them. They were the snake in the grass me, uh, tweet. That, that couldn't have hit the nail on the head anymore. Halliburton, kind of overblowing it, man. No one, like... They, weren't, they didn't fire a head coach because he said you were tradable and then freaking trade you months later. You know, they didn't like lie to you about how they felt about the future. It's like you never got that contract extension, you know. And at the end of the day, it's just like, um, you know, like, I don't know. It's just like you put it in perspective with that situation. It's just like, I don't know. And of course, like neither player holds anything against the fans. It has nothing to do with the fans. But it's just like, dude, I don't know. But again, it's like I kind of get it. Like athletes, you need a lot of ego to be good. You need yeah. to have motivation. You need to think you're the best. And one of the things I this makes me think of, even though it's completely different, um, but like Aaron Rodgers in football uses so much motivation because the 49ers didn't draft him number one overall. Everybody felt like they should have in hindsight. Although, I mean, like look at the playoff record. But, um, <laughs> you know, like it's just like one of those things where it's like, 
I know they keep they'll every time the 49ers and the Packers play, especially in the playoffs, they'll run that tape. You know, it's like the oh, 49ers are gonna regret this for the rest of their lives. That's just, just that's a dumb tape. That's for Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's not a storyline. Like, nobody cares about that. It's irrelevant. You know, like I just think that there's a little bit, and I get it, he's a young player, but it's like a little bit of hubris to Halliburton. I think maybe I'm not right. I don't I'm not saying I'm 100 percent right, but I'm getting that sense. It's like you really like he said like the quote from the from the interview was like I just like everything I do I just want it to be like you know like look what the Kings did like the Kings messed up and it's just like you don't think that the Kings got better after that trade mm-hmm. like they did and you know what like at the end of the day and I and this will be a light dig on Fox I I don't think the Kings were choosing Fox over Halliburton I just think the Pacers were like the Pacers picked Halliburton they're over like Fox. you want Sabonis we want Halliburton like. Not only might Halliburton, you know, I'm not saying Fox is a bad player. They, I mean, Fox is at this time I, the better player, I think. Um, you know, I don't know if I can say that in five years, but maybe. I mean, mm-hmm. depends if Fox can keep progressing. But you know, it's like younger guy, loads of potential, and a way better contract. Yeah. I mean, Fox is on a max extension. A team trying to rebuild, you don't really want a guy on a max extension. So. Mm-hmm. And think about that. They they if the Suns never matched the offer for Aiton, Aiton to be in Indiana, they had Fox's contract. Can they do that? It, I don't yeah. know, but I don't think so. But no, very true. And so I think he's taking it a little more personal than he needs to. It's like at like I mean, we had they had three point guards, they had Fox, they had Halliburton, they had Mitchell. Obviously the two the two guards that had any trade value, anyone on the team that had legit trade value was Halliburton and Fox. Mm-hmm. You had to get rid of one of them. And I don't think it was yeah, like I, like we said, it wasn't the Kings like, all right, like Halliburton's up for trade, like who wants him? It was like, All right, we have two point guards, we're trying to make a trade. Mm-hmm. And the other teams the other every other team was gonna choose Halliburton nine times out of ten because he had just as much as potential as Fox and his contract was you know, dirt cheap compared to Fox's. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. He just, he'll get over it. And he'll, he'll, you know, he's what, 22? And he's 22. Yeah, he'll grow up. Yeah, he'll grow up. And I get why he's hurt because he, you know, he probably, he knows the reputation of the Kings. Of course he does. And so, he's like, well, no one wants to come here. I want to stay here. And they traded me off. And, you know, F these guys. I get it. And, you know, he'll get over it. But I'm just, I'm just kind of sick of this. Like, it's what six months later after the trade, and we're like still talking about it, mm-hmm. and it'll be talked about more during the regular season. But I don't. Know, I guess it's the off season for you. You gotta. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, like I was gonna say, like there's like for one, it's like, you know, like it's it's like what I say about Aaron Rodgers. It's just like that's not a dig on anybody. Like that's that's between Aaron Rodgers and himself. It's the same thing with Halliburton. I don't know why we're covering every time he says something about how he was hurt to get traded. Of course. I mean, like, I just, it just seems so, so needless and just blowing it up is like you said, it's, it makes, it adds up. It makes sense knowing that it's August. It's like, and it's like, I feel like they're kind of spoiling what they got here too, in terms of like a story, in terms of an angle. It's like, you're really wringing this towel dry. Like you're not going to have this to dip back into. It's like, what was the Pacers make the playoffs in a couple years and the Kings are still like, I don't know. Like, didn't you kind of, I don't want to jinx anything or like put any make put anything into existence, but it's just like, man, lay off this, man. Like this angle's been just ridden, ridden like a bull, man. But yeah, I don't know. I just think it it's nothing. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's really nothing. Again, it's like, don't you think that the Kings got better? You know, it's like, I don't know. Like, don't you think like you don't hear Sabonis being like, well, they picked Miles Turner over me, like. <laughs> It's like no, let me go make the best of things with Deer and Fox. No, that's a good point. You know, and and the difference there is not anything to do with that. Like Halliburton is a bad guy. He's just young. He's immature. Not super immature. He's actually a very mature guy for a young guy. He's very. Mature. He's probably more mature than I am. I'm 26. But he does. I mean, he admits it. He admits that he feels immature, feeling this way. And you know what? Like if you you read the article a little more, it's like. He's really trying to get over it, it seems like. And he he admits that, you know, like, 
I wish I didn't feel this way. Yeah. And I don't want to. And that's why I'm like, those fucking sports writers, man. Yeah. 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 Well, it's not just a sports writer. It's the media. You, you, you grab one quote out of it. Because he says, like, I held so much resentment for the Kings. Next, right. Next yeah. sentence. But I really want to get over it. But do you, right. do you see the I want to get over it part? Exactly. In, like, I don't the think quotes. that was on Hoops Hype. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's just you hear, like, I heard a lot of resentment. True, it's like, true. And that's what you're going to see. No one's going to read this article. You just see these little snips. It's like, oh, like, Halliburton's not over it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm giving credit to Halliburton. I'm not really mad at Halliburton, but this article came up. He did the interview. He talked about it. And it's the offseason. But it's like you said at the beginning. It's just like, oh, this again. <laughs> exactly. Here we go. Like, I thought we were past it. But I, I don't think we'll be past it until that they'll, November 30th game. Yeah, they'll, and, and then even after that, like any opportunity, and the opportunities will be few and far between compared to before that Indiana game we're talking about. But it's like any opportunity they do have to bring up, they're going to do it. Um, but again, I feel like the the odd man out in that narrative, the guy that never gets brought up is the two-time All-Star that they traded for. Always interesting that way. Yeah, and, and even another guy is Davion Mitchell. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, like Fox and exactly. Fox and Halliburton were the two, they were the two guards. Mitchell's a rookie, but I mean, you're really high on Mitchell. And look at the way the dude ended the season. I mean, he ended the season better than I, he played. I mean, yeah, it was like a 10, 12 game stretch, whatever it was. But I mean, that was way better than anything Halliburton did in, in his rookie season. Mm-hmm. Like Halliburton looked like the smarter guy throughout the whole year. But Halliburton did not put up a stretch where he was averaging what I think it was nineteen and ten. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. yeah, I mean it was crazy. So it's like, and even Mitchell's being overlooked in this situation because it's not only like, yeah, well he had two point guards. It's like, no, you kind of now had three at that point, mm-hmm. and you know you didn't realize Davion's really. You didn't see that Davion Mitchell until the end of the season after Halliburton was already gone. But like the Kings probably knew that. And I don't want to get in the weeds here because it's like, I feel like we've had the conversation before. It's like, don't you think that if you were the Kings, you'd rather keep Halliburton? It's like, yeah, probably. Yes. But I personally, like, I would rather have Halliburton, Halliburton over Fox. Personally. Well, let's put it this way because this is kind of interesting to think about. Would you rather have Halliburton and Mitchell or would you have it rather have it as it is now with Fox and Mitchell? Like, who does Mitchell do better with backing up? And I don't know if there's a right answer to that, but I think it's just interesting to think about because you kind of think about Mitchell, like phys- take the physical attributes aside, but he kind of takes a lot of the best of both worlds about Fox and Halliburton to him, you know? Um, I think obviously like Fox is better scoring in the paint. Halliburton's a better facilitator. But it's like Davion Mitchell, he's the defensive guy. You know I mean? I don't think any of them is even on, close to being on par with Mitchell defensively, but Halliburton's got good defensive skills. He's got good length. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, Mitchell has a similar attack style to Darren Fox. You saw him attack the basket in a similar way. I don't want to get too much into that, but it's like, I would almost be like, it's interesting to look at things from a Mitchell Fox combination rather than a Mitchell Halliburton, because then you have much less experience. Mm-hmm. No, hundred percent. You have less of a scoring punch, perhaps. I mean, like Davion Mitchell might be able to disprove that. And like I said, Halliburton's on his way to being a 20 and 10 guy. But it's just like, it's an interesting question to ask, I guess. And I don't know if you have an answer to that or not, or if it's just something worth chewing on. No, no, that's, I never thought about that perspective, but you, it's Fox and Mitchell. At this, at right now, going into next season, it's Fox and Mitchell, right? I mean, uh-huh. like for the two reasons you said already, experience and scoring. You, you lose Fox, that's, that's, 10, that's 10 points a game mm-hmm. right there. Uh, that you lose if it was Halliburton and Mitchell instead of Fox and Mitchell. 10 points over his replacement. Yeah, exactly. So, well, you know, because, I mean, Fox should average, I hope, 25 a year. Yeah. The, the, 25 a game this year. I don't year. think that this is – I don't think anybody should hesitate in saying they expect a certain amount out of Fox. Like, the – the expectations are high for Fox. Yeah, very high. Especially the way into the season, Sabonis, you know, having a full season with Sabonis. But and, and Halliburton, you don't have that expectation. Yeah, I mean, he'll probably do like 15 and 9, but be really good. Mm-hmm. 40% from three. Yeah, like still <laughs> crazy. But um, no, I mean, it's Fox and Mitchell. And, you know, maybe that's a perspective that 
I'm overlooking because the Kings are in a win now mode and you want the best opportunity. So if Fox and Mitchell has, gives you the best opportunity over Halliburton and Mitchell, well, that I mean, that was probably considered by McNair when he made that trade. Because you bring in Sabonis, that means you're you're trying to win now. This guy has two years left on his contract when he starts this season. If you want this guy to resign, you have to prove that, you know, you, you have to give him a reason to stay. And the only reason Sabonis will want to stay in sack is if you build a good team, you know, around him, around him and his counterpart, which is Fox in this situation. So, no, that's it makes you think, really. Maybe all this about Halliburton being sad about leaving the Kings, maybe it's just some grand thing that, like, everybody knows the Kings. Maybe the whole thing is everybody knows the Kings are really good. You know, they're going to be, like, really good. And Halliburton's like, I want to be part of that, you know? I don't know. I'm making that up. but uh. <laughs> I mean, that'd be nice. But I just think the dude wanted to be here. A grand conspiracy. And he wanted to be here, man, right? He, he just wanted to be here. He felt a little betrayed. <laughs> He's hurt. He'll get over it, but... No, that's a storyline. I'm over it. Just like the schedule. It's what it is. Well, November 30th, that's the big date. But um, I don't know. What what else we got on the Kings docket? I don't know. But I would be interested if there's any fans listening to this that would like to share what they think. I would like to know what they think of this whole Halliburton narrative thing that's going on. Can't imagine it'd be too different from what we said. But I would like to know what people think about which pair of point guards you'd like to have. But um, I guess news that's more relevant to the rest of the league, but you can definitely tie it back into the Kings. Um, look, first of all, the main storyline of the offseason, whether we like it or not, for good or for bad, has revolved around the Nets, Durant, and Irving, Kyrie Irving. Um, it kind of put the league at a standstill for a while there. Um, it seemed to be the talk of the town, the central piece of discourse. Um, seems like a trade for uh, Durant is less likely um, than ever as time goes on. And now it seems like Irving is going to probably stay with the Nets as well because uh, Shams Cherania, I never know if I'm saying this <laughs> yeah, name correctly, but um, I think it's Shams. Shams? Shams. 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 Well, I'll just call him Shams. Um, you know. You know, be, no, but um, yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, he he reported today that the Nets seem pretty set on uh, sticking with with Irving, um, which makes sense. Uh, you know, if you're not going to be able to trade Durant, as it seems that's the case, why would you trade the guy that attracted Durant to Brooklyn in the first place? And also take into account the thing that kind of connects to the Kings that the Nets only had one suitor to get Kyrie Irving. That was the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Lakers, after being resistant to it for a while, finally were like, okay, we will include our 2027 and 2029 first round picks in the deal. And the Nets are like, okay, all right, okay, all right. What else? What else? And the Lakers are like, but well, you got to take Russell Westbrook. And the Nets are like, hit the road, Jack. Get out of here. No. And that seems like that kind of, whatever opportunity there was to move Irving out the door because Westbrook. And the reason that connects to the Kings is we were talking about just a few weeks ago on the podcast, and I think everybody has talked about this as well probably, is that the Kings realistically, out of the New Orleans Pelicans, the Portland Trailblazers, and the Los Angeles Lakers, to make the plan, the Kings just need to be better than one of those teams. Um, and we were kind of talking about like the Kings, there's an argument to be made that the Kings are better than the Trailblazers. It's probably a thornier argument to make that they're better than the New Orleans Pelicans. But with this Westbrook, like essentially him being in Los Angeles for next year, because he also locked up his his player option. Um, I don't see how the Lakers are better than the Kings. I just don't see how they do better than the Kings. And the only reason I say that is because, you know, Russell Westbrook could still be effective if he wanted to embrace a role where he could be effective, where he takes less shots, you know, where he's not a focal point in the offense. But he just can't do that. He's proven he can't do that. When he signed with, when he agreed with LeBron and AD to go to Los Angeles, he, uh, according to Sham's reporting a few months ago, um, he told them that he was willing and more than uh, open to accepting a small role. Now, granted, those guys weren't on the floor as much. Maybe 
that's a reason why Westbrook would want to be the same old Westbrook. But he was trying to be the same old Westbrook, and he was terrible. He had his worst season. He was getting booed by the fans. He was a complete joke. He missed a bunch of shots in Sacramento. You guys started playing cold as ice. <laughs> you know, it's like he's terrible. He's awful. He hurts that team. Him being there, both his presence in the locker room, the fact he's not as good as he used to be, and the fact that he takes up a bunch on the payroll. The Lakers are just – they have – almost as much to prove as the Kings, if not more. I just don't – someone has to convince me that the Lakers are better. And if Anthony Davis plays all 82 games, maybe you can make that argument, but I don't even see that happening. I don't see how the Kings have to prove that they're better than the Lakers. I just think they kind of – going in on paper, I would say that the Kings are better than the Lakers. Yes, I, I get what you're saying. The Kings have to prove they're better than the Lakers, one, because – yeah, I, I get it. Westbrook, he is not Westbrook from, you know, five, six years ago. But it's still a big three of a potentially potentially healthy Anthony Davis, LeBron, and Westbrook. That's that's a force in itself. Yeah, Westbrook does need to take a backseat. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Um, but, I mean, even the bigger thing is the Kings are going to have to prove themselves until they make the playoffs. And, yeah, on paper, like, I, I think the Kings would be better than the Lakers. But, I mean, that means you're also betting against LeBron, which is, you know, not the easiest thing to do. Yeah, he might be, what, 37, 38 this year, but I don't know. It's, um, I mean. How many years has LeBron been in Los Angeles? I think this would be his fourth. And he's made the playoffs how many times out of those four years? No, this would be his fifth. Twice. Twice? Twice. I mean, I get you. I get you. Yeah, I, I, again, and I'm not, and I, I don't think that my angle here is super optimism about the Kings. I don't have super optimism about the Kings. I agree. The Kings have to prove, you know, a lot. And I think by me saying that the Lakers have just as much to prove, that's just me being emphatic about my, my point here. <laughs> but, like, you know, I think that this has everything to do with Westbrook and the fact that, you know, like, I love reading about the Lakers from Lakers writers' points of view because they're just so honest about guys, you know, as any writer would be. Um, and I think one of them described him as just like he's the toxic center that the King that the Lakers need to get rid of if they want any chance of contending. And you look at the way he reacts with his teammates. Um, I think there are, uh, or, or not his teammates, his coaches. Uh, there was an instance in uh, near the end of the year where David Fisdale is an assistant under Vogel um, was in a film session with the guys. And he was kind of calling out Russell Westbrook's shot selection, which had been a problem all year. And it resulted in a verbal exchange. There was that famous moment last year where he was getting into it with the LA times reporter where like the LA times reporter was like, you guys are in 11th place right now. Like, what are you going to do to make that plan? Like what's going to change? And he just got, real mouthy with them and showed off a bunch of attitudes like well what do you think should change you know and it's just like it's just that kind of stuff he's really got to like turn himself around because he's kind of always been like this it's just starting to crumble it's starting to all collapse on him and his team because his physical ability is not good he's gonna be 34 in mid-november i think sometime in november it's like i don't know and again I, i i don't discredit the fact like you have LeBron and AD playing together. It's like that is them alone could make a playoff team. Like I'm not disputing that that's a possibility, but it's just like, man, I don't know. Lakers have a lot of questions to answer. They they have a ton of questions, and like they didn't make the playoffs last year. And is Anthony Davis going to be healthy? Is Westbrook going to you know change his attitude and change his attitude on the court as well? Um, I don't think there's many question marks around LeBron. If he can, I guess, keep it up for his 20th season in the league, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's much debate. Um, he hasn't showed any signs of slowing down, but well, he does require more rest, doesn't he? Uh, I mean, probably, but he's he still averaged 30 points a game last year, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that, of course. I mean, LeBron's legit. I'm not trying to say that LeBron's not good. Well, he sounds like it. <laughs> Who's getting getting to it? See, he, all those All Star appearances, get out of here. Everybody knows Kevin Love carried the Cavs. <laughs> yeah. It was all James Jones. 
but you know, I'm just saying that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, you know, I just think that, uh, and again, it's like I said, the angle on this is not optimism about the Kings. It's realism about Westbrook. I'm being realistic about Westbrook. And he's my least favorite player in the league. Let me get that out there. Let me air that. <laughs> Disclaimer. He's been my least favorite player in the league since I was a child. <laughs> okay. Um, I think he's going to he's gonna be the greatest gift to the Kings and a bunch of other Western Conference teams. I mean, I can see it. He's a big question mark. I don't know. Prove me wrong, Russell. Lakers, and you know it's funny. Lakers are trying to get Buddy healed now. You see that? Yeah, idiots. Because <laughs> in case you're not aware, anybody listening at home, the the thing that was about to happen before the Wizards traded for Russell Westbrook is they were about to pull the trigger on a deal that would have sent Kyle Kuzma to Sacramento for Buddy Hill. Probably some other stuff in there too. Yeah, it was like the same trade. It was, it was the same thing. It was Kuzma. Contavious I don't Caldwell know if Caldwell Pope, but Harrell. Mm-hmm. Or Harold, Harold, is it Harold? I don't know if I don't know if KCP was in the original package, but it, it, it was at least Harrell and Kuzma. Mm-hmm. So they could, and add. yeah, and now it's like it's like that Thanos like quote. It's like it's something about destiny. It's like where does that end up? Back to me. It's like Buddy Heald saying it. <laughs> like you couldn't live with your own failure. So where does that end you up? Back to me, Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald in Indiana. Buddy Heald. I'm so glad he's on the Kings. <laughs> he's the biggest idiot, I swear. He's still talking about a little, being a little full of yourself. I mean, he could be such a useful player. Uh, he's really one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Yes. God, 18-19 Buddy Heald. I just wish he just, he never grew up. <laughs> it's shot like 43% from uh, three. It is interesting to look at his stats. You can see a total just, change. Just a regression. He signs a contract. That was it. That's it. Defense never got better. Started jacking up every three he got. I mean, he still shoots at a decent clip, but it's like, he could be a little better if he didn't take those two highly contested threes a game. That's just essentially a turnover. Mm-hmm. Not on top of the turnovers, you turn over. Yeah. But dribbling it off his shoelaces. <laughs> God. That I, was crazy when that happened, when they played Indiana at the end of last year. <laughs> <laughs> I think you texted me, you're just like, dude. <laughs> oh my, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's Buddy Hill. That's, uh, I mean, I remember, yeah, I don't even want to get into it. I'm just going to, you know, <laughs> pop a blood vessel in my, my head. That's but, fair. But, um. Yeah. What else? Anything else? I think that's pretty much it. I think one thing we did skip out on because we do run a bi-weekly thing here in August. Um, last week they signed Sam Merrill. Just touching on that. Now, I think that if you read our article or anybody else's that covered it. Um, well, you should be reading ours. You should be. Very if you want to know what's going on. Yes. <laughs> Check us out. Subscribe to our newsletter. CapCityCrown.com. Yeah. But uh, Sam Merrill, um, he got a two-way partially guaranteed. I think he has. He's got to like make the team by January for that to. I don't know. There's certain things. Basically, Merrill making the team is not likely. Um, and uh, the Kings having two two-way contracts already prevented them from maybe bringing on someone like Jared Roden, who ended up going to Portland a few weeks ago. He's going to be at their training camp, or somebody like that, um, because the Kings already have. There are two two-way contracts. There's no use signing an Exhibit 10, which is essentially converts into a two-way or can convert into a two-way. There'd be no use for that. Um, so the Kings are bringing in Merrill to fill out their training camp roster. You get people that are excited that this guy could potentially shoot 40% in the NBA. I say don't bet on it. Um, Merrill has to um, shoot to play. He's not athletic. He doesn't really offer much else. He's got a good height at 6'4", but, you know, like, let's be realistic here. Yeah, let's be realistic. We won't hear about this guy in, like, three months. So, I mean, i just being realistic. I have, Kings fans love to hype up, like, guys for some reason. Maybe because not else a lot to hype up in Sacramento. But let's be real. If Sam Merrill plays a single minute for the Kings this upcoming season, I'd be really surprised. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this Stockton, whatever. uh Kings, I guess their names is yeah. too. But um, 
I mean, let's be real. It, it's more just to fill out the training camp roster, it seems like. And, you know, maybe they can find a gym, but really, what are the odds of that? But well, who knows? To be honest about Merrill, too, even if he's shooting well, he's probably just going to get snagged up by another team. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because it's not like the Kings have any means to hold on to him. They have too many players that are worth keeping on a 15-man roster as it is. Yes. And so it's really kind of just an opportunity for Merrill. Yeah, and, you know, good for him, and, and, you know. And if he a, does play a game for the Kings or another NBA team this year, which is not totally off the table, like, good for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a reason people want to get behind underdogs, and but we're just trying to be realistic. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. But, You're not good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Find another job. No, these people even say that about me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Sam Merrill, the man, the myth, the legend, the, you know, the man, the myth, the Merrill. <laughs> <sighs> but uh, yeah, it's, I think that covers about all the news we've, uh, you know, in the last two weeks for yeah. the Sacramento Kings. And uh, uh, anything else? I think that covers it. Well, that covers it. Um, it's Tony and John. Until next time. <laughs>